All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It only... You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I'm one of the men in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. What's going on, y'all? This is the Canucks Conversation with a beautiful view over Rogers Arena and the city of Vancouver downtown. This is the Canucks Conversation. My name's Chris Faber. Joined in here on Fridays 
by Harmon Dial. What's the mood? What's the mood, Harm? Before I talk about Zephyr Epic a little bit, how's your mood? It's funny because I was actually just thinking about this. I w- was watching a podcast recently. Um, I think the YouTube channel's Diary of a CEO, and he had a, a lady on, and she had this amazing story of how she's overcome a lot of trauma in her life, and uh, just in general, just so ins- inspirational. And one thing that uh, she was saying was this idea that one of the ways to be to 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 really improve your well-being is to always, like anytime you have a negative thought in your mind, flip it into a positive, right? So the example she gave is, oh, it's raining outside, and then the challenge is you have to go, but at least, and then you have to add, add in a positive thought. And I've actually been implementing this the last uh, last few days, and it's been <laughs> awesome, right? Taking every negative thought I have about anything in life and then flipping it into a positive. Okay. I'm not going to lie, the Canucks are the hardest part in my life in terms of taking a negative and turning it into a positive. Like, I'll start a sentence where it's like, the Canucks are screwed, and then I'm forced to go in my head, but at least, and then I don't even know what, like, half the time what I'm going to say for the, but at least. So, <laughs> it's just funny, because, um, yeah, it's it's one thing that uh, I've tried to, uh, tried to implement in my life, and I know on the last Friday episode, we kept it all positive only, and... Yeah. and Man, this is how the team rewards us, I guess. Yeah. We said, uh, here comes the money I see in the chat here. People are excited for you to be here on Friday. But it's funny because the title yeah. of today's podcast, and uh, you'll see that on YouTube as well, but it's impossible to be positive. That's the name of this. <laughs> so as you come in here and you're like, what you should do is flip every negative and try and make it some sort of positive. That's what the first thing up on our ticker is. That's the name of today's title of the episode. Uh, before we before we dive into it a little more, got to uh, handle some business here. Uh, shout out to the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. That is what Harmon's, uh, you know, here comes the money payment comes from. The great folks over there at Zephyr Epic. Uh, what do I got a Pokemon card to show off today for the YouTube folks? A Vaporeon. Jungle Edition. Look at that. I get the camera focus on that. A beautiful card. Got this for Christmas, actually. Hell yeah. Some, some of the stuff my fiance got me very Pokemon themed, including this shirt. A Pokemon shirt. My first Pokemon shirt. So I'm pretty happy about that. Um, I got the shorts. You've seen the Pikachu shirt. Oh, yeah. Those don't, those get sh- are, those those don't go on camera. Yeah. They have to one day, though. I was thinking that might be a fit for, like, you and I. We, we'll see if we're going back to pickleball on Sunday or not. I oh, think, we are. I think we are. Okay, good. Because yeah. I was going to say, I got Abbotsford at uh, one. I'm bringing a friend, too. Canucks at two. Really? Yeah. Nice. We're okay. going to come in with new paddles. I like it. Have you gotten a new paddle? Uh, that's before we come on Sunday, me and my friend, because he's never played before. Yeah. He's going to have to get a paddle anyway. So I figured we'll both swing a trip and then awesome. go straight on uh, to the community. I think, we, I think we can say that at this point, I'm excited for some fresh meat into, uh, into pickleball. Some guy he's never played before. Has he played before? Uh, no. Okay, perfect. Fresh meat. He's, he's generally a pretty athletic guy, though. See, that's so what we thought, it up though. Quick. That's what we thought with us. Uh, we, but it took us three okay. three uh, sessions before we were dunking on the old people. This is true. Now we're rolling. <laughs> uh, we'll see if the if the new year provides uh, new uh, new wins for us in the pickleball realm. But also, uh, bring back the viewing party. Montana's, the Daily Deals. Uh, I think we got the picture of Harm and I at Montana's. You can pull that up, Alex. I know Aaron had that last week. Uh, of Harm and I standing outside of Montana's. But uh, we've been home during the pandemic. We've lost out on the good times going out with friends. Montana's is bringing back the viewing party. Head to Montana's where the game is always on and the daily deals are there to keep you full. Half price wings on Mondays. Tuesdays, Harm. Bring your kid. Two bucks. Kid can eat for two bucks. Good deal over there. So you're bringing at, uh, me for, so I can eat for Monta- two bucks? Well, no, I think you might be. Pa- that's We talked about this yesterday on the show. Is there a minimum age for being a kid, and is there a maximum age for being a kid? Because maximum, I think, for sure. 
right? You can't be bringing like a 17 year old in there, like growing teenager to like eat. There's a picture of us oh, there, there at, uh, at Montana's, but I was saying, is there a minimum age too? Like no, do you have to be three. No. Like, are you still an infant before you're a kid? Right. Cause that's a thing. Sure. I would think anyways, <laughs> Montana's BC locations for St. John, Kelowna, Langley, Nanaimo, Prince George, Tawasson, and Victoria. Let's get into it, Harm. Canucks. I I honestly want to, you know, I haven't had you here all week. I've been chatting with quads all week, and uh, listen, that wears on me enough. But we, I want to get your opinion on a lot of this. So a lot of this, I just want to set you up and kind of go. This is going to yeah. be a, a VanCast-style show, actually, where uh, mm-hmm. where <laughs> before when, uh, even, no, situation now with you, I, I hear it, Farhan lets you roll quite a bit, but it's going to be more of like a, a Drance version where I'm just going to let you go and I'm going to be setting you up uh, for the show as I get my fireplace set up behind me. That looks good. Let's get started on the top of, uh, of the ticker there. Impossible to be positive. Canucks coming off of a 5-4 loss to the Lightning. I, I'd like, I don't know where to start with this one because it, it actually, the 5-4 score doesn't look too bad. And I thought the Canucks actually like played as, as good as you kind of could have hoped against that. That was a really good first period. Yeah, they they came out and played some good hockey in this game. Um, If you're looking at that type of game, you're thinking, hey, if this team's going everything in the right direction like it was during the Boudreaux bump last year, they probably win that game. If you get great goaltending from Thatcher Demko and you're able to capitalize on the power play, you win that game. Like, you win that game. Same logic applies to to the Winnipeg game. Mm -hmm. They played well enough to... To where it wasn't that they played great, but it was just good enough. It was like a B minus or like C plus sort of performance, which mm. last year when everything was going right, when they had elite goaltending, when they had the power plays you mentioned rolling, which has gone ice cold recently, they would have pulled out two points. And we would have been looking at that and going, I don't know if that's sustainable based off their 5-on-5 five five play, but they're rolling. And yeah. yet this season, they're somehow worse in every goal prevention department, and the power the the power play has gone uh, ice cold as we mentioned, and it's wild. I see uh, Corey's in the chat here, and shout out to everyone in the chat here. I see Prodigy's in here with some questions for you. Lisa's always here. Commander Vander back on their original account. Corey as well, uh, but Corey brought up the penalty kill, and it's weird because we're we're not talking. We don't have to talk about the penalty kill being like a 60%, you know, in the 60s. What is it, 67-ish percent now at this point? Yeah. It's wild that this season has gone this way, and there's so many other problems you can point to first or bring up as a topic first before you even get to how bad that penalty kill has been this season because that's another thing that has let this team down. It let them down last year, so it's almost like people have gotten used to it. In those games where they were still losing, they were still winning the power play battle sometimes, right? Yeah. Like At least sometimes they get it, or they get good goaltending at 5-on-5 five five to keep them in a game. When everything's not going the right way for this team, it is it's completely in shambles. And I think that's where we're at right now. And this is why it's impossible to be positive. Like, here you go, Harm. Five four last night. Yeah. Another loss to the Canucks on this road trip. Give me a positive. T- turn this negative into positive thing that you're talking about. It's here. uh it's Friday. Okay. That was the biggest one I thought about. It's Friday. It's good. not a Canucks game day. That's good. So you you don't have to to suffer or waste two, three hours and um and watch that. Oh, t- team tank. Yes. Team Tank, baby. Andre Vasilevsky, Robin Curtis Lazar there. Matt, <laughs> Let's okay. touch on that real quick. Yeah. What's Lazar doing on the ice there? I don't know. Yeah. I, okay, here's here's my take. I think Boudreaux looks at Lazar, thinks that he needs a net front sort of guy who can crash and bang. And I don't know why. We've seen this in the past where earlier in the year, on the first road trip, for example, in the Washington game, uh, Boudreaux bumped Lazar up to the Pedersen line. Mm-hmm. 
Boudreaux bumped, I think maybe around a month ago for a couple games, Lazar up to the Horvat line. Yep. He just seems to be the go-to net front crash and bang sort of, oh, we need that sort of archetype of guy. Let's go to Lazar, which doesn't make sense because you have, even if you want that guy, why would you not have Dakota Joshua who's actually scored some goals this year? Lazar's the least dangerous offensive player on this team. I like Lazar a lot in terms of what he can do with his physicality, blocking shots. I think he's a great dude to have in the locker room. But (laughs) of all the guys you'd want with the game-tying shot, on his stick. You're just looking to score a goal at that point. Yeah. You're looking to score a goal. And you or maybe you're up. looking to tank. Maybe Boots is just like, uh, get me out of here. It's so weird. <laughs> it's weird that we're getting to that point where I think sometimes you can question if this team is playing 5D chess and doing a tank on Pert. Like you can, I think that's how bad this team has been. You can actually start to question that. And you brought up Lazar. Listen, you're right. I, I, I love the energy that he brings. I think he's an incredible energy player. I also think he's incredible with us in the media. He's one of the best guys yeah. and one of our go-tos in the locker room for a lot of people. But you're like he's out there as the extra man to help with the attack. He's got one assist in his last 28 games. He has no goals in those last 28 yeah. games. Well, Lazar's a BC boy. He's, yeah. he's a Canucks fan growing up, so maybe he's just like aware of all the pain and suffering, and he's like... He's got some ties with Connor, Connor Bedard. Bedard. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, I don't know, maybe he coached Connor Bedard when he was a little kid at a camp somewhere or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that one was an interesting one. Also, I think one of the bigger, probably the biggest takeaway from yesterday's game wasn't the score, wasn't, you know, Lazar being out there at the end, it wasn't Kizmenko not being out, it was... I think Quinn Hughes' comments on the Tanner Pearson injury, yeah. and we can pull those up here, Alex, just the, the Hughes on Pearson conversation. And I, I saw a great tweet last night from Wyatt um, talking about, you know, it's great that there's media still on the road because without media on the road, you don't get a quote like this from Well, the Canucks edited out of their scrum mm-hmm. when they yeah. posted their video. And and to that, it's like I I get why. I get why, and it's it's this is this is the first time people will notice that that happens almost every scrum. Yeah, like some scrums you'll get the full thing where it's like, but if we're talking to a player, like say we do a Luke Shen scrum and it's eight minutes long, yeah, they're not going to post the full eight but, minutes. But this was this was this selective was editing, yeah, exactly, and it was a short interview in the first place. Yeah, so the thoughts on it, we'll read it here. This is what uh, this is from Patrick Johnson of the province. Who's on the road covering the team right now. He had to bear through Winnipeg to get to Florida. So I'm sure he's in a, in a much better mood uh, now, but uh, Quinn Hughes talking about the news of Tanner Pearson's season being over, which I think we touched on yesterday on the show. If not, we'll circle back on it. What Hughes said was that wasn't handled right. Talking about the situation with Tanner Pearson, which is now multiple surgeries. Look, well, we know his season is going to be over, and I think there's question about the future of Tanner Pearson even playing hockey with this Canucks team. So, you know, it was interesting. I heard Pat Brisson today on Donnie and Dolly kind of not def- not necessarily defending Hughes because I don't think Hughes did anything wrong here. Hughes yeah, told he us what he thought about the situation. He said that wasn't handled rel- well and or that wasn't handled right. That could very well be true. Right, and it's it's difficult for this Canucks team and, and to see so many changes to the medical staff. I don't think that's a problem. Like I don't I see people like, oh, you completely cleared out the medical staff in the past. Like it's very different. I listen; these guys are perfect. If you're getting into yourself into a situation, I just think it's it's a situation where you like we don't know the decisions that were made to get to the point yeah. of doing these surgeries. But it feels like if Hughes is going to come out and say this type of quote. Clearly, something could have been done differently that maybe wouldn't have gotten to, to this point. And 
people love Tanner Pearson in that locker room. He's one of the glue guys actually in this group, I think. And he's one of the guys who like, I, I find it Pearson's spot to me in like the locker room is interesting. Cause I think he really gets along with the veterans, right? He's a veteran guy, but it feels like he's got not like to the Luke Chen level of dad, but I feel like Pearson is sort of like the second dad ish like type player. To second uncle. Yeah. Like, he, yeah, he's a good uncle. That's a good way of saying it. Like it feels like Pearson is that uncle that, that you really like. And I feel like that's the way that some of these younger players look at Pearson. He's won cups. He's able to provide that veteran leadership when needed. And listen on the ice, it's, you can say what you want. He hasn't been good this season for sure. But as a person, I, I think he's very highly respected from a lot of these young players and older players in this room. I think everyone in this room, you could hear it from Tyler Myers, the way he was speaking on it. This is pretty. This is just another line of wow, another storyline for the Vancouver Canucks that isn't positive this season. Definitely, and when the Canucks tweeted the news out that Pearson was shut down for the rest of the season, it was interesting that they had the follow up right there that it was his second additional procedure following the original one. Yeah. In other words, there's been three surgeries already mm-hmm. for a broken hand. Yeah, that's I mean, that tells you that we something's did, gone wrong. Do we know for sh- like I thought I saw there was an infection as well. I don't know if that was just people reporting. I don't think the team put out anything like that, but I thought uh, that no, I the team didn't officially didn't say anything. And like for that. people that are asking, I see some people in the chat asking about it. Yeah, it was it was a Montreal Canadiens game months ago now. Yeah, where where it looked like it, it was weird. It wasn't like a slash. It was almost like the hand went into it was the, almost like a fell. Um, yeah. And, and his like hand was like he fell on his hand basically mm-hmm. in a really awkward way. And um, and those suck. I've broken my wrist doing that before playing sports. Mm-hmm. So yes. those can be nasty. But three surgeries, according to the team's official uh, official statement, when that news came out. The other thing to kind of keep in mind is I've covered. Look, look. I get the whole notion, and and I think Brisson on Dolly and Dolly's tried to sort of bring it up, and obviously he's going to try and. Um, you know, support his client and make sure it doesn't seem like as, as big of a deal. But I don't like, yeah, okay. It was an emotional situation. They were coming off the loss. Hughes had played a lot of minutes. He was clearly upset, but knowing Hughes and covering him for my fourth season now, having had the privilege of having a lot of conversations with him over the years, he's not the sort of player that he's not like JT Miller, where in the heat of a moment, he, so all of a sudden going to slip up and, and right. say something super emotional, um, hard, hard on his sleeve that he wishes he could really have back. For me, Hughes has always been a really calculated, um, smart player. He's always been even keeled, laid back. He knows, like, I, and it, could there be a certain element of, okay, he was emotional in that situation? Absolutely. But I think he would have known in in the moment that okay what could what could the potential reaction be and there's nothing wrong with him saying that like to me the fact that he spoke up in the first place says that again as you mentioned first of all that Pearson's a really um valued teammate in and he's well liked as a person and uh and we obviously don't know the full story but clearly from the player's perspective there was something that uh that went wrong there and uh, the bigger concern, of course, is, look, I'm not trying to blame fingers at anyone uh, or the medical staff, um, but if if this is a situation where um, it's perceived that the team didn't do the player right, that there was a misdiagnosis or whatever, it all it does is add to the 
the negative perception surrounding the franchise. For sure. And the fact of the matter is players talk. Players around the league are all friends with each other. You look at a player like, uh, um, just an example, a guy like Hughes in the offseason, they train sort of geographically where um, when he's training in the summers, he's training with the likes of like Kyle Connor and uh, Andrew Kopp, obviously, obviously his brother, a lot of Michigan area guys. You even see that in Vancouver. Um, Vancouver area guys kind of train together. I like a Kelowna. I mean, Kelowna, Kelowna has that exactly. I mean, even when Lane Peterson sort of came in, Luke Shen already knew him so well, right? So it's 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 a league where players know each other pretty well, and work can, can even... kind of spread about like if 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 players on the Canucks just generally, and I'm not speaking mm-hmm. about this specifically, but when you look at the overall situation this club has been mired in, a lot of the dysfunction the lack of connectedness between the management and the coaching staff, um, the lack of just big picture direction and all the things that have gone wrong for this franchise. If players on that team are, are upset and don't feel like, uh, are, and aren't happy with, uh, with the way the Canucks are going, the rest of the league is going to know. And that's going to be the reputation that starts being built about this Canucks team. And that's, just the last reputation you want to have as uh, as a franchise. Vancouver should be Vancouver should be a destination yep. franchise. Look at the city. This team spends to the cap. You have an opportunity to live here, and obviously there are downsides with playing in a Canadian market. But you think back to the 2011 Canucks; they were always a destination team. Mm-hmm. They were always like there was always rumors about them being involved in the top free agents. Guys like Matt Sandin, Shane Doan. Um, of course, obviously being able to bring a, a guy like uh, Dan Hamhusen. And it's just been kind of sad to see this see this franchise get to the point where even in free agency, the only way they've been able to bring guys in is by drastically overpaying for them. When extra you look at year, Beagle, extra million, yeah. Roussel, like that's that's how, that's their draw is we'll overpay for you instead of um, situations around the league where uh, you, this does happen where if if a t- if a veteran sees a chance to win, sometimes they will take less money. I mean, look at Mark Giordano; he's still a top four caliber defenseman. He'd be the second best defenseman on this team, and he signed with the Leafs for under a million. I think that's the thing that to me is you you talk about this being a destination. Listen, the city is a destination in its own right. The organization yeah. should be as well. Look back to what Oliver Ekman Larson, who we'll get to right now, actually, but. Like what he was saying, like getting out of that Arizona market, getting into the Vancouver market, he was excited. He was excited to go to a city that really cared about this. So team. was Garland and Garland as well. I, that's the thing. I mean, you're right. You you nailed it when you said like this. This is a destination organization, or at least it used to be. Right with everything that's happened this season, man, it's you know Commander Banner said in the chat makes a bad look much worse. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's kind of just the feeling of this season up to this point. I also agree with what Commander Vander said here that I think I had this conversation with you last week. Like, I, I do think Hughes is the type of player that could captain this team in the future. Like, I seriously do. I it's not just like a moment like this. I know everyone goes back to the JT Miller thing last year or two years ago in the COVID. You know, when he was talking about, like, we can't play, put the foot down here. This isn't like that. This is just another case of adding on to my thought that I think Quinn Hughes could be the captain of this team moving forward with the way that he would be able to handle the media and how he would be able to handle being a lead, like putting into that leadership position. I, I do think that's a spot where Quinn Hughes could be for this team moving forward. But OEL. Let's move into that a little bit. Another positive. Yeah. Give me, yeah well, I tell you what, actually, it might be an easier thing for you to turn a negative into a positive here because a healthy scratch for OEL last night, that was the first of his uh, career here with the Vancouver Canucks, the first since his early days with the Arizona Coyotes. What's, what's next? What's next here for OEL and the Vancouver Canucks? Listen, it, it's a massive deal. I, I think in the Vancouver market, we understand that it's a big deal to sit Oliver Ekman Larson. But if you were to take this from an NHL like view, like the scope of the league, yeah, healthy scratching a guy who's making seven point two six million dollars has a cap hit on his contract of eight million dollars plus. That is a massive, massive deal around the league. I, I think it tells to the situation of the cap in the NHL to a degree as well. Like this is this is a contract that's not like expiring this year, and he's thirty eight, and he's at the final year of it, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. There's years and years and years of this down the road of Oliver Ekman Larson. How does this future look right now from from the moment yesterday of him being healthy scratch? Because that's where I think this situation with OEL kind of opens up a few different avenues now with this healthy scratch. Like it's it's like okay, they they're willing to healthy scratch him at this point in the contract. What are they willing to do down the road? What are they willing to do in the summer when buyouts come around? I feel like this opens that door even more than it might have been potentially being opened in the past actually healthy scratching him that also adds to it to me like that opens that door wide open yeah I think there are a lot of different angles to sort of play in terms of the scratch for starters when you talk about what's next the future that sort of thing right off the bat I think we all recognize that he's not getting traded mm-hmm. it's an it's an impossible contract to move he's got the no move clause he the cap it is just Way too high. No team, or, no team around the NHL is going to want that. And if they weren't already aware that he's been having a tire fire of a season with the Canucks, now seeing all the headlines, they will be aware. Yep. 
So right off the bat, you're not trading that. The buyout option, I think it is viable further down the line. I don't think it's viable yet when you talk about this summer because I was looking at, um, at okay, if you bought the contract out in the summer, what would it look like? You'd have a dead cap charge. Until, I think we have it up. You can pull it up here, Alex. It's in the work workspace somewhere here. You'd have a dead cap charge until 2031. Yeah. I would be in my 30s. Wild. That's Wild. nuts. And so to think that... Um, Buying him out now, you'd be taking a penalty on till the next decade. It's not worth it because when you like the Canucks aren't gonna win the Stanley Cup next year. No, and that's when they have the eight million dollars of savings. Then you're paying for all that down the road. Yeah. So like to me, it doesn't make sense why you would create disadvantage a cap disadvantage that spans until twenty thirty one. When hopefully there's a window when hopefully they're a good team, right? For the cap savings and advantages for a team that's not going to win the cup next year. To me, it doesn't make sense. And obviously, the further, like the later down the contract you wait to buy it out, the less years you're going to face that dead cap penalty. So to me, I, I, I still think that if I was in management's position, I would look at it and go, I'm just going to take this on, on the chin at least for next season. Yeah. But... That's where where I had the question of, okay, if they're going to lose Horvat, you know, all the, you know, they they already have a lack of sort of cap space. I just hope that they don't have any sort of pressure or incentive or this feeling of we got to make the playoffs next year. And based off that logic, they they then go, all right, let's just buy them out now. Mm. Because if you're Jim Rutherford, if you're Patrick Alvin, because we can look at it and go, why would you want a dead cap charge until 2031? But if you're Jim Rutherford or Patrick Alvin, do you honestly think you're still going to be here Hell by no. 2031? No. You don't care. So that's the thing. That's why, like, we talk about ownership so much. I feel like ownership has to have a right decision here because you're right. Like, would Jim Rutherford and, and Patrick Alvin be that against this deal? Do they really think they're here in, in 2030? And I love Jeffro's comment in here. It says, Harm, you're too young to make this you know, sound a little bit intense. Jeffro says he's going to be in his fifties uh, in twenty thirty. So, like you sounding like you're in your no, 30s no, no. I'm not saying sound that no, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying in the sense of like, I'm not that I'm old, no. but it's just like I'm literally. You're like, supposed to be so young. I'm, I'm hard. supposed to be a kid. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like yeah. obviously, there are a lot. There are a lot of people who are going to be old by that time. <laughs> Ekman Larson included. Yeah, this is true. And um, the buyout's so interesting to me because it is. I, I was talking about the quads brought up a good point yesterday about the buyout. And it was that in my eyes, I, I've still been in the camp of maybe there's one GM that will take him for a pick. No, in a summer, in a summer if he has bound back, if you retain half, you're giving OEL to someone for 3.6. But then, and then quads brought up a really good point. So are you really wanting to give up draft picks and prospects again to handle this instead of just eating this for, you know, until the 2026, 27 season. Yeah. I said, you know, you're probably right. And the worst thing to me isn't like it maybe is the, the worst thing I think is the buyout this summer. And yeah. as much as people would like to see it, I, you know, we see it right here. The savings this, this next coming season, $8 million of cap space. That sounds awesome. But you brought it up 2027 to 2031. It feels weird even saying those years because it's so like feels like it's so far down the road, but you're paying still. You know, two point plus two million dollars plus 
Also, what has this franchise done to deserve the um, the eight million cap? The, yeah, cap space? Like, hell no. Yeah, what, what are they going to do with it? Resign JT Miller That's, again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what are they going to do? Like um, Jim Benning style, acquire the next OEL, spend it on a top six centerman to replace Horvat? I don't. Honestly, I don't trust this organization with cap space. Hell no. Yeah. That's I'd almost rather them... Eating it is maybe the best thing. Well, and that's the thing too is over the last three, four years, and, and I think this is the biggest frustration with this franchise. If they had just done nothing, literally just like sat in their offices, twiddled their thumbs all day, listened to pod, Canucks podcasts all day. Yeah. And just done nothing, this franchise would be 10 times better because they wouldn't have signed all those Beagle, Erickson, Rusalk. It's This is the chain link sort of like how one mistake leads to the other thing too. Mm. Back in 2019, when you or was this 2018? I can't even remember now. Signing the Beagle, Rusell contracts was the start of this whole mess. Right. Because if you didn't sign those contracts, you would not have had to move sort of like dump them, pay the price to then acquire Ekman Larson and Garland and give up the pick that turned into Dylan Gunther. If you had just done the baseline competence... And even of, just like, oh, okay, then we could have re-signed Chris Tanev and we would have, you know... Or like re-signed kept, to Foley. Even if yeah, you kept re-signed those to Foley, guys. Yeah. which I think out of Markstrom, Tanev, um, to Foley, I think to Foley was, was the obvious because for Markstrom, it's like, okay, we have Demko. And with Tanev, his game... Like, Tanev would have the most impact today... But I could at least see the logic where it's like he had so many injuries and it looked like his game was trending downward. I'm like, mm. okay, I can understand why they made that decision. Even if you didn't, you know, even if obviously in an alternate timeline you wish you you resigned him. But even with Toffoli, that was the layup, right? Seeing how well he fit with Pedersen. If they had just kept him, then you don't even need Garland. Then you're again, you're yeah. not making that poison pill deal. And I think that's just the biggest frustration is at it seems like every year. They shoot themselves in the foot this offseason with the Miller thing. Again, if this management group did nothing, literally nothing since taking over, this franchise would be in a better position than they are today. Hard to hear, but harm. In the 2018-19 season, who would have been their fifth leading scorer if Roussel wasn't here? Erickson? He would have, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I can't believe Antoine Roussel was fifth in scoring in the 20. 20- 18-9. Maybe things aren't as bad well, as we honestly, thought this year, Harmon. Roussel, Roussel was good until he, was he blew good his knee out. Yeah, like his true. first year in Vancouver, he was actually good, but he just blew his knee out, blew his ACL out, and was never the same. Still one of my favorite guys to chat with as well. When I dropped that little French on him there, yeah. oh, that's one of the highlights <laughs> of my career in, uh, in Zoom uh, interviews at one point. That and the Godet Warzone stuff, I enjoyed that yeah. as well. Um, I want to get to one more thing here before we dive into the prospect pool so much. Ooh, another positive. <laughs> hey, it's not in the bottom three of the league. Uh, uh, Canucks have their scouting meetings this weekend in Florida. I wonder if a major decision with everybody coming together, major decision like a coaching change, like a big trade, does this meetings kind of spur that up? I, I can't help but think that face-to-face conversations with a lot of people from the organization are going to lead to a decision being made. I'm not sure exactly what that decision is going to be, but I really think a decision needs to come out of this. You've got all your scouting staff here, or I, I think a lot of them, at least anyways, yeah. whether it be pro and on the amateur side, are going to be down here for these meetings. Dale Talon leading it back in his backyard. Yeah, <laughs> backyard barbecue. That's actually the, the nightmare. <laughs> that's actually the nightmare is if Talon somehow 
finagles his way into a Canucks management oh. role at some point. Could be. Uh, could be. We'll see if he hosts a good barbecue or not. Uh, but <laughs> what what could come of this? Let's turn a negative into a positive with this season. What could come of these meetings where maybe this group makes a realization about something that cues them up to make a change? Yeah, so in terms of scouting meetings, I think right off the bat, I don't know that it would necessarily have an impact on um, on a coaching decision because mm-hmm. that's just going to be uh, Rutherford and Alvin. That's up to them. That's Obviously, they're going to have to convince the owner, Francesco Accolini, but that's not something where you bring the scouts in and that they're all, all of a sudden that Rutherford and Alvin are going to be looking for their input. But what scouting meetings are valuable for is the way they work is a lot of times they'll go team by team through every team's system. Mm-hmm. They're pro players, amateur players, prospects, kind of go through an evaluation process and they'll kind of go through, okay, if we were to ever make a trade with Buffalo, what prospects do we like? What American league guys do we like? Which ones do we not want? And it's kind of like doing your, your, your prep work, your, your pre-scouting. Um, so you're prepped for, any potential trade conversations or negotiations um, ahead of the deadline. So really, it's kind of like a league-wide way of valuing assets. So coming out of that, I think you're, you've, done the, you've done all the homework necessary, or right. most of it anyway, to then really seriously start engaging in trade talks, which is, I'm not saying that they're all of a sudden going to it's like, oh, scouting meetings are done. Let's all of a sudden we're going to call all 31 teams and we we're making a trade tomorrow. Right. But you're at least prepped and primed. You've been able to have these in-depth conversations, have these long meetings, and you know what you want and what you don't want out of every team. So if sure. a team's calling you about Bo Horvat, you have your list. You, you have say, your this list. This is what I want. Yeah. Yeah. And so based off that, it it could sort of accelerate or um, really um, um, sort of just quicken up that process. Yeah. So, um, so that's what, I think what you're I think what hoping I, for. What I'm thinking is, does that push, does that push this organization to finally give us a plan? Cause I also think that like, we need to hear from Patrick Alvin pretty soon here yeah. as the media. I know that requests are going to be started to, to flood in to uh Canucks uh, PR right now. We are, I expect that we should hear from Alvin soon, as long as the Canucks are willing to present him to the media. And to me, it's like fans need to hear a plan. The this Canucks organization is is probably losing. I'm not. Fans. I'm not getting my hopes up. No, I I like, am. I, honestly, I do think they, they have to. Oh yeah, they, they have, have to. Give to them, but, they have to present. Get them out here because, I, like I was just about the Canucks are losing fans faster than ever because everyone is tired of the Myrmidon to the hope that is the like hope for the best style. Yeah, that this team continues to try year after year. I don't know. Like, I, it's not like I think one meetings, one set of meetings in Florida is going to change and give everyone the idea that this is now the direction. But it'd be nice to recap a little bit with the general manager, with us in the media, to talk with him and be like, "Hey, what? Like, what is seriously the plan?" Because I really think that like fans are fed up. the The organization has to be fed up. The media yeah. is clearly fed. I know how much this you know following this team day to day is wearing on me. It's it's just like. Now, like, communicate a plan, please. Like, please come out and communicate a plan because that's what everyone needs to hear that. And I think you I think you said this a couple of weeks ago, and I found it really interesting, was, like, if they give us a plan, then fans know how to judge, media knows how to judge. And I think this was you who said this a few weeks ago, too. But like, 
that is, that is very true that if they tell us a plan of, Hey, we're not going to be going for a Stanley cup this year. Like that's not something that's probably going to happen. Then it's like, okay, now you can make judgments about not holding on. Like people that there's fans who still think the playoffs are a thing. And it's like, well, why would you trade Bo Horvat? There's still a small chance at us making the playoffs. But if it's like communicated that that's not happening, then you can judge that idea very different. And, and the way that this team is going to make moves here and changes over the future if you have a plan, you know which way and how to kind of react to the moves that you're going to see from the Canucks instead of being surprised. So two things. For starters, absolutely, yeah. The, the fan base deserves, needs a plan to be communicated to them. But Patrick Alvin's one of the most useless interviews sure. ever. Yeah. I mean, I, I point blank asked him around October when the team is struggling, if these struggles continue, are you going to have to rebuild? And with Alvin, it's like, if you ask a question like that, he'll just, he'll just, you know, I'm not blaming him for it, but you'll just get a vague sort of like word salad where it's like, oh, we're trying to get better every day. We're, we're building every day. And it's like, okay, that literally means nothing. Here's what I think though, at this point, if we do get an Alvin thing, I just think the media is at a point right now where like, we need to be, we need, now that we've had these Alvin conversations, we need to be better with our questions. And I think we, I think the media, like. I think we're, I feel like just the way that the team has been, like the media is ready for it. And I think that the media needs to, we need to do better yeah. with our questions, honestly, with Alvin. Cause yeah, I think we, we have understand. To be so specific. Yeah. And we understand a little bit now of how he's going to react. So I think that this next, when he's made available, I expect, like, I have high expectations for the Vancouver media to, second, for us to step up. Second, even if the, even if we do hear some of the right things, I'll believe it when I actually see it. That's the other thing. In terms yeah. of the action, because. When Rutherford came over, came and he initially took this team over, he was sat next to Aquilini. I heard a lot of good things. Oh, yeah. I heard a lot of promising words. I heard him talk about recognizing how much work this team needs to do. I heard him say that this isn't going to be easy to do. I heard him say that they're going to prioritize trading for younger players, that they're not going to trade any draft picks away. I heard him say that they are going to prioritize clearing up cat flexibility. All of these positive things, none of it came to fruition. They did the opposite. This is the other thing that frustrates me is I can understand why Rutherford and Alvin blame um, or, or sort of will always say, well, this cap situation was a lot more yeah. difficult than we thought. It's like, yeah, okay, fair. Then why did you make it worse? Why did you sign Ilya Mikheyev? Why did you re-sign JT Miller? Why did you go out and uh, re-sign Brock Besser? You created, it's like there was a hole, and instead of digging your way out of it, you dug, you've you dug deeper and are now blaming that, oh, we had a big hole in the first place. Yeah. No, you're, you're bang on with these these decisions. There it is. Holes, quad's favorite <laughs> word on this show here. Uh it's true. That's that's weird that the holes has come up so much on this show you know, this season, but you're bang on with it. And I think we'll move on a little bit because we've almost spent the whole show on our first ticker here as much as, and you know what? I can, I haven't heard from Alex yet, but I know he loves that ticker and we haven't even got to the second thing. So let's get to the second thing here. Speaking of holes, the Canucks prospect pool was talked about <laughs> on the athletic uh, Scott Wheeler. Great work for you guys over there with the prospects uh, over at the Athletic. I'm sure you guys must have had some input into this, right? You and you and Drancer no, involved. Scott, oh, uh, really? Scott does it uh, his own way. He follows these pro- like I honestly. Okay, he's, good. Because I got a problem with some of the rankings. Okay, <laughs> so, go, go for I was it. Go say, for I, I wanted to know go how much you were involved here. Um, 
I, I don't want to give away the whole list because obviously you should read the article. Uh, okay, the um, I've uh, I, I'm just going through this now, and yeah, okay, I, I so I got disagree numbers. with uh, with. Let's okay. So number one is going to be Jonathan Lekaramaki, who, by the way, today was the extra forward um, in in the Alspenskin lineup, and the two players drafted Woo-hoo. right after him, Noah Oslin, playing first line or sorry, second line center. Oslin scored two goals today, and Liam Ogre <laughs> playing uh, top line. And uh, he didn't score. Maybe he's playing on the top line. So that's Lakar Mackey, number one. Let's get to, Way num- to cheer everyone up, Faber. <laughs> I, man, I, you know what? And I, I'm taking I'm taking a weekend off of uh, social media this weekend, just because like I've I don't know they're uh, playing both day, they're pl- playing both days of the yeah, weekend. Yeah, I'll still like my stuff for Canucks Army will still be there, but I just like I don't want to be on I don't want to be on Twitter this weekend. I need a weekend off, so I'm taking I'm taking this weekend off. Uh, I'm still gonna send quads all the clips for the prospects and stuff, but. Um, yeah, let's let's get to number two on the list. Let's just skip Lekaramaki because maybe there's some excitement here. I found this extremely interesting. What Scott said for number two, coming in at Jacob Truscott being number two on Scott's list. Yeah. That one very much surprised me. Listen, Truscott's had a really good kind of run here, I'd say, over the last 18 months type of thing. Mm-hmm. Getting a chance to play the World Juniors was great. Uh, he's, he's obviously Luke Hughes' partner at Michigan. I think the Canucks are going to be interested in signing him after this season because I do think that Michigan's going through some massive changes on their roster. Uh, they're they're kind of losing. Like Michigan reminds me of was it uh, was it Duke that was always or no? I'm trying to think of the NCAA basketball team that always just had like one one and dones. Yeah, one uh, of the blue teams. I can't remember. It wasn't Kansas. It was someone. I, someone can help me out in the chat maybe. Uh, but Truscott, like it feels like Michigan's done that a little bit. But he's been one of those guys who's kind of rode with these one and dones. Uh, but after like Fantilli leaves and, you know, you're going to see Hughes leave, it's going to be a very different looking Michigan team. And I'm not sure unless Truscott's going to be like the captain next year. I think if the options there for him to go pro, I think he might be in the AHL this season. But number two from Scott, I was surprised to see that. Yeah. So I went back and looked at um, our uh, prospect list, the one Drancer and I kind of do. And I guess that's why we don't collaborate with Wheeler on that. It's because he's obviously sounds like drama at the athletic. Qual- uh, no, uh, nope. Wheeler's best. Um, he is. He does do good work, and he does. I could tell from the reports. You see this from certain people where they don't. Uh, they just report and they yeah. don't watch. Like no, he Wheeler, watches. He, he had some good. Time. He had some really good input when you could tell. Like okay, he's watching. He, yeah, he, he gets it. So in September, in our top ten Canucks prospect rankings, we had Truscott as an honorable honorable mention. Right. So, so he didn't even crack our our top ten list, top which. 10. Um, Obviously, the Canucks don't have a deep top ten. So, Kentucky, I mean, great. Thank you. Sorry I hope we're wrong. Chat. I got a Kentucky. Death. Thank you, Justin. I hope we're wrong. Yeah. Like I, I, great. If if Truscott's a lot better than we thought, great. They need him. Um, but even yeah, it was surprising because he has been a little bit up and down at uh, at Michigan. Obviously, I think the last couple of seasons he's found a bit more traction, but. Uh, you know, I still view him, I still kind of, in my mind, viewed him as a long, like, not that I wrote him off in terms of making the NHL, but that he'd be a long shot no, to make it. Yeah, I, I see him playing pro hockey. I do. Yeah, for like, sure, I pro see hockey. Him playing in the A, for sure. Like, I could see him playing in the A this year. Like, honestly, I, I think. I thought could, his ceiling would be as a bottom pair defenseman. Yeah, and which that's is great if you can land that because he was drafted late. The reason why I could see him being higher in some people's eyes is because the way that he plays is a very much of a complimentary defenseman where, listen, he's playing with Luke Hughes. He gets yeah. what he has to do when you're playing with the top defenseman. So if you really want to go like ceiling, 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 and what happens when he bursts through the ceiling, 
he could be a guy who plays with your top defense because he understands it, but it's like, it's not really at that level of prospect to think that like, he's, he's not going to, like, I don't think he's going to be Quinn Hughes's partner in three no. years. Right. And I think that's what would make him number two. Maybe if that's what Scott views him in, but let's get to a few other guys on the list too. You got Yanni Yermo at three, uh, Klimovich down at four, Elias Pettersson, DPD at five. That's someone who I have much higher than five. I do as well. Um, yeah. as well as Lucas Forsell at 12. I have him much higher than that. Uh, and Archer Seelov's at 14. I have him much higher than that. So some interesting stuff. But I tell you what, a really good article from Scott. I'd love to hear different opinions on prospects, especially doing a ranking. And if I'm being honest, I'm currently putting together my top 10 rankings for Canucks Army, which will be up here very soon. And it was cool to hear a different perspective. Uh, it didn't change my, my list <laughs> at all, reading what Scott wrote. But uh, it was interesting to hear his thoughts on Jacob Truscott coming in at number two. On the Canucks prospect pool. I'll tell you what, that might Let's say about more positive. about the prospect pool. Yeah. Here's a positive. Okay. Because we were talking about uh, the concerns we had earlier. Danila Klimovich. Yeah, he's moving up. He's been he's been producing. He's uh, last year, 18 points in 62 games. Mm-hmm. This year, 18 points in 28 games. This was honestly exactly the Almost sort of step all of we them wanted in the last take. 15 yeah, in his last 17. In his last, yeah. Because that, you know, that's why earlier... At the start of the season, we were talking about, oh, he's kind of struggling again, but he's taking the exact sort of step he needed to as someone who just a few days ago turned 20, by the way. Yeah. Happy belated birthday. Same day as Boudreaux, same uh, birthday as someone else, too. I don't remember Baines, maybe? Maybe. I think it was Baines, Boudreaux, and Klimovich the other day. We talked about it on the show. Um, But yeah, this is great. Yeah. Great to see. And, he, and this he, is what he needed to do, and especially it. coming off of um, a strong tournament, I thought in Penticton in mm-hmm. the Young Stars, where he Good played against competition sure. that uh, that was a lot older. Mm-hmm. Um, that's at least a positive. A player who's definitely trending in the right direction now. Yeah, and you know what? It's all happening at five on five, and he's playing in a fourth line role. So, what happens when he's playing with the top end AHL players? Is he producing more? Because right now he's producing with a fourth line center. And Arshdeep Baines, who really was was high in, in Scott's rankings as well. Arshdeep Baines was. Um, but he, he's playing a fourth-line role, not getting a lot of power play time. And he's yeah. putting up all these points at five-on-five. Five. You're like, wow, okay. This is exciting. This is an exciting thing. The, the Abbotsford Canucks are exciting. Uh, I talk about them all the time here on this show. But um, the other thing was I, I, I loved uh, Pod Colson joking about it. Um, and I everyone could see that. It, the full conversation I had with Pod Colson is available on our Patreon uh, but he joked about it, and I had to ask him about uh, stuff with Klimovich. I said, listen, ever since you got here, you know, Klimovich has been scoring. And, and Pod Colson's quote at the very end of that interview, if, if you are on the Patreon, if not, check it out, patreon.com slash Canucks Combo, 5 and $10 tiers, get all the content. But he was like, look, he was like, the quote was something to the degree of like, look at what he did for 70 games in the AHL. Not good. When I get here, no more. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, that was, it was incredible. Because Klimovich, I asked him and tried to get him to joke about it. He was like, no, like it's me. I'm working on my game. And some interesting quotes that I tweeted out last week from Klimovich, too, talking to him was like talking about him like reworking his mind and mm-hmm. really actually finally buying in to what a coach is telling him, what the Sedins are telling him. So really good uh, positive stuff there on the prospect point. So it was nice. I said impossible to be positive, but look at there how we're we finishing go. up the show. Some good stuff. Uh, well, you know what? We'll keep it there because I got something on the ticker there. Big weekend ahead. Let's not do that. Let's, yeah. uh, let's just check in on Monday and see how things <laughs> went. Uh, everyone uh, in the chat, everyone who listened to the podcast, appreciate everyone uh, tuning in, uh, being involved. We'll be back uh, next week, back to you know our regular Here's schedule. Here's a positive. Mm-hmm. At least we're always together. Whatever the Canucks go through, at least if we have to make fun of this team, 
We'll be doing it together. Love it. As opposed to suffering alone. I like this whole uh, turn a negative <laughs> into a positive mindset of yours, Harm. It's great. It's good stuff. All right. We'll wrap it up there. It's been hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it, it's working. It's been tough. I think. It's been tough. I uh, haven't used any of my vacation days yet for work. I've got uh, got 10 days left. And I think they they might need to be used here pretty quick, if I'm being 100% <laughs> honest. So uh, we'll see what happens. But aside from that, thanks to everyone. Like I said in the chat, everyone on podcast, everyone online, Twitter, everywhere. I don't know where we're live streaming. Alex has got us up on uh, MySpace Live, apparently, too. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see that. So shout out to our producer, Alex Allard, for joining us here as well. Setting up the show, keeping it running. It's been great to have Alex back this week. Uh, and he hasn't put an Oilers Nation logo behind me this week, so thank you for that. I'll have another conversation with Aaron about that, our backup producer. But uh, appreciate everyone in the chat. Everyone have a great weekend. Uh, two Abbotsford Canucks games this weekend. You'll be seeing some good news coming out of this Canucks organization for sure. So that wraps it up here. Shout out to the folks at Zephyr Epic uh, for the presentation of Harmon on Fridays here because of Zephyr Epic. Shout out to Montana's, all that good stuff. We'll wrap it up there. Oh, thank you, Alex. Betway bets of the day. I can hear you clicking away on the on the on the keyboard there, Alex. You want to say something? I know he wants he wants the Betway here. Uh, I was just gonna remind you of Betway. Yeah, you're the you're the best, Alex. Aaron would have missed it. All right, our single bets for our uh, our Betway bets of the day: Connor McDavid over three point five shots on net. You can get that at minus one twenty five. Uh, Ten dollar bet will return you eighteen. And Leon Drysaddle, I got the exact same bet for him. So we're rocking with two of the Oilers stars to get over shots today. Uh, playing against the Sharks, I think you're going to see a lot of shots from the Oilers. So simple bets. Is there an over-under on, on Canucks fans taking shots while watching the team? Shots. Yeah. Tequila shots, over-under? Yeah. What's a weekday <laughs> over-under? What's a weekend <laughs> over-under? No, honestly, change. it's great. Now that we're heading in, into the weekend, they should uh, they got to they gotta start a, a prop, prop bet for that. Yeah, especially with two games this weekend. And, you know, the <laughs> 1 o'clock, uh, the early start there, 2 o'clock on Sunday. We'll see what the... <laughs> We'll see. All right. Wrap it up. There it is. Betway. Yeah, I know, Commander Vander. I almost missed it. But uh, this is what I say. I keep the train on the tracks here on Friday as much as I can. But sometimes the train stalls out. So wrap it up. Everybody have a great weekend. uh, And we will see you next on Monday for the return of the Canucks conversation. Betway, Betway. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 